I really believe that tonight's message is very strategic for this house. It's something that we have to understand if we're going to go anywhere. Um, I, I saw a post on Facebook today that I thought was really good. Um, we, uh, he's actually a ministry partner of us, and I took a snapshot of it. But I wanted to, to read this. Um, Jerome, of course. If y'all know Jerome, Jerome is a, uh, we partner with him in, in, the, in a recovery center, a center that he does in Georgia. And um, I believe he's going to be bringing one to Effingham soon, and we're going to be highly involved with that. But um, this is what he wrote. I thought this was good. The last decade before the second coming will be epic. How many of y'all believe that? So then he writes about the epic. He says, the remnant, see, we got the remnant here tonight. Amen. Amen. I just don't record that. (laughs) The remnant witnesses will walk in unstoppable testimony. Then, after that, the Antichrist and the mark of the beast, 666. He says, first things first, we have a good bit to do just to see the first part in fullness. Let's arise. What I love about that post was he's saying, there's going to come a time where we walk in unstoppable testimony. We've got a long way to go before we get there. So those of you that think in the end times tomorrow, chill out. The Bible's very clear that the remnant will be risen and people will see the works of God. We've got to get something and understand something before that happens. And I believe this message is key to that. So if you're taking notes tonight, week one in Days of Elisha is simply called this. It begins with presence. It begins with presence. I want to pray. And I'm getting this message. Y'all might get out early. Who knows? Let's just pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the people in this house, for what you're doing in this church, through this church, in me, through me. And Lord, I pray right now, we not hear my words, my thoughts, or my opinions. We just hear your truth. Take over. Say what you want to say. It's in Jesus' name we pray, everybody said. Amen. Amen. It begins with presence. Well, We just ended the series of Days of Elijah, and we saw last week that Elijah was taken up into a whirlwind uh, that that the the Lord brought down, and he went up into heaven. He didn't die. His his body didn't die physically. He joined the Lord. Well, after that, uh, Elijah had been positioning Elisha to take his position, to take his mantle, to to be the next successor as the one who was going to teach The prophets who was going to be the next prophet, if you will, that people would revere and learn from and be students of and be sons and daughters of. Well, we we read some scripture last week, but I want to read it again because I believe God's going to show us some more things. We talked about how the schools of prophets or the spiritual sons, they honored Elisha as Elijah's successor and they bowed to his feet. And here's a scripture that talks about it in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak or mantle, those words are interchangeable, which had fallen when he was taken up. So remember, Elijah's taken up and the only thing he left behind was his what? His, his mantle, his cloak. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And then someone shout then. Then the river divided and Elisha went across. 
When the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests upon Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Now, we read these verses last week, and we pointed out that these group of prophets, some versions say group, some say guild, some say sons. These aren't literal sons. These are spiritual sons or schools of prophet. When immediately these sons, these, this group of prophets, recognized Elisha as Elijah's successor. Why? Because they saw the power of God in Elisha, the same that was in Elijah. Right, we, we get that, right? He, he struck the water, the water divided, and they're like, okay, Elisha's obviously the one. He's got the gift. He's got the power. He's the one that's replacing Elijah. But there's more in, these, in this passage. You see, when Elisha struck the water, he did it with Elijah's cloak. But the water did not part when the water was struck with the cloak. The water didn't part until Elisha cried out, where's God? Where are you? Not just any God, not these pagan gods. Where is the God of my spiritual father, Elijah? And when he called out for the presence of God, then, the water divided. You see, Elisha understood something. The power in his prophetic ministry was not in a prophetic act. It was not in a mantle. It was not in a cloak. It was not in any thing. The power simply rested in whether or not God was present. The, is this okay already? Okay. I got a coffee cup about it last week. I know I say, is this okay a lot? The power was not in a thing. The power was in when I did this thing, did it flow from God is here. And if Elisha was going to be the one to continue in Elijah's ministry, there was one thing he had to be made sure of, God was present. And we do, we try to do a lot of things in church. We, we declare and we bind and we pray and we have great worship and we do all these things, but all of it's in vain if it doesn't start from one place. Is God among us? Is God here? And if we don't begin with resting in the presence, everything else is in vain. If we don't begin by recognizing all efforts have to remain in his presence, then everything's in vain. Everything starts and ends in, are we in the presence of Almighty God? Acts 3, 19-20 says this, Now repent of your sins and turn to God. So that your sins may be wiped away. That's a good thing. And then times of refreshment will come from where? The presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Hebrews 13, 5 says this. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you got. That's easier said than done, God. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Look at these verses. It says, 
Times of refreshment will come from where? The presence of God. Not in church events. Not in getaways. None of those are bad. But when you get away, are you seeking yourself? Or are you seeking to sit in the presence that will bring refreshment? When we come together as a church, do we do things just to do them to fill our time slots with church things so we can be in the world and not of the world? Or are we actually seeking the presence of God? Because I don't know about you, but I grew up in church. And most of my life wasn't in the presence. If I can just be honest. I heard the stuff, I, I, I got the knowledge, but you know what the Bible says? So what you got knowledge? Even demons know scripture. Whether you know scripture or not does not define you as a child of God. So what you go to church? Demons go to church, they come before the throne of God every single day. Are you in the presence? See, that's kind of the filter that every question of our lives has got to be presented through. Well, should I go to this thing? Should I go to this event? Should I go to this um, widely accepted idea? Well, first question, is the presence of God there? If it's not, I don't want to follow it because my Bible says my presence will go before you. That's okay. That's, that's okay. Times of refreshment, don't y'all love how we can just talk? Times of refreshment come from the presence. It even says with the money, he says, don't love money, be satisfied with what you got. It says, I will never fail you or abandon you from the truth of my presence. When you're in my presence, I'm not going to fail you, I'm not going to abandon you. So if you seek my presence, you have nothing to worry about because failure is not even an option. Letting you down is not even in the cards. In the presence of God is where you find everything you need. And I know this might be a simplistic idea, but if we're going to start out seeing an incredible ministry of Elisha who got the double portion of Elijah, we've got to understand it didn't start with, I've got the cloak. It started with, I want to make sure that I'm in the presence. And his presence gives power to whatever we do in the natural. Because when Elijah, before he was taken up, hit the water, he hit it with the cloak and it did it immediately. But Elijah had his priorities right. He was in the presence and assignment of God at all times. So when he did something, it flowed from God telling him to do it. Elisha steps into his place, succession, his mantle, he hits the water, and then he says, where are you, God? Because God was making sure he knew there wasn't any power in something that man sewed together. Psalm 16 even tells us, in his presence there's fullness of joy. Exodus 33 says his presence will go with you. And in this passage, in his presence, there is power to part waters. I think sometimes we get in these prayer tracks and nothing's working. And I have to ask you, well, are you praying in his presence? Because I know people that pray great that sometimes ain't in the presence. 
I, I can go to certain churches, and I won't name them because I don't want to pick on them, but I can go to a Catholic church and get, oh, and get a million prayers. Now, some people may be, I don't want to say Catholics aren't in the presence, that's stupid, but I'm saying that are you following a system? Just because you got it don't mean you're in it. Or are you seeking, I want the presence so that everything I say, there's power behind it. So that when I sow a seed, there's power behind it. So that when I come into agreement, there is power behind it. Not let me do something so that I can demonstrate power because in that mindset, you're depending on yourself instead of the presence. But then the question comes, okay, well, I understand I got to get in the presence. Well, how? Right? Because we can talk, let's get in the presence all day. And then, we, we, okay, well, we need the band to have some cool pads and some piano and some, some awesome guitar licks. And, you know, we, we, got, we got to create an atmosphere. But that's actually not how you get in the presence. Matter of fact, none of that makes a difference if that's not in the presence. How do you get in the presence? The passages I highlighted earlier in Acts 3, 19 to 20, I'm going to read it again. It says, times of refreshments will come from the presence of the Lord, but the verse before it says, now repent and turn. Enter, even with the, the, don't, um, the, the, the don't love your money, it says, I will never fail you or abandon you, but don't be satisfied with your money. Entering into his presence begins with a posture of the heart and conversations with your father. Because, see, you want the benefits. You want the refreshment. You want the joy. You want, I don't have to worry about money, especially in 2021. You want the benefits, but we don't want to sacrifice pride and repent. We love to give excuses as to why we can't. Well, Paul's got a thorn on his side. Can I get one thorn? I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Not in this church. Right? You know, we, 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 wanna, we, we make sure, we got to make sure our love is lost in him and nothing else. How do I get in the presence? It's really simple. It's a conversation. Lord, I got some things that I got to give you. And then times of refreshment will come because when you just entered into a time of repentance, when you just entered into a conversation, when you just entered into sacrifice, you just entered in. Remember, the, I, I, some of you were here, but I preached like a, um, I think a 12-week series on the worshiping church. It was how the temple was built. You entered in the courts with thanksgiving and praise. And then there was an outer court, there was an inner court, and then there was the holy of holies, the most holy place. You could not get to the presence where the, where the um, Ark of the Covenant was until you washed your hands, you, 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 you made a sacrifice, you, you, you burned prayers of incense. You had to do stuff before you ever got into the presence. It didn't change. The only thing that changed is the presence is now in you and not in a physical place. It's still the same process. I can't get the presence without sacrifice. Jesus, thank you for taking care of that. 
And now that that's done, I've got direct access to the Father. And before I can get to the presence, I've got I've to intercede on behalf of others. I've got to intercede and ask God, what do you want me to pray for? I've been talking about this a few weeks in prophetic intercession. I'm going to give everyone a very simple course in what prophetic intercession is. Intercession is praying for someone's needs. Prophetic intercession is, God, I don't know what to pray for. You tell me. That's it. Boom. Simple. Done. We've got to get to this place where we understand he didn't wipe away what we need to do to enter in presence. He just made it accessible wherever you go. So, okay. Entering in and being overwhelmed by his presence starts with us preparing the temple for his dwelling. What is the temple? Us. You see, he's a jealous God. He doesn't want to share Someone sent me a, a text message today, and they didn't know that I was going to use this in my message, but it was, it was, it's so on time. There's a, there's a scripture that talks about how if someone is, 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 uh, has a demon in them, when the demon leaves, if you don't, it says it will come back with seven more, and it says that here's the catch. It says it comes back with seven more into the place that has been swept up and put in order. Here's the issue. A lot of times you sweep up and get in order, but you're simply getting the room pretty for demons to come back because God says, I don't want to share that room. You either put me in or you let them have it. Amen. And a lot of times we get stuff in order, you know, like, 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 like recovery centers. They'll get it in order. They'll go through the sobriety, and they'll go through the, the 12 steps, but when they get out, if they haven't put God in it, their addiction is seven times worse. They got it in order, but order ain't the only thing you got to worry about. You got to worry about the fact that God says, I don't want to share. You give me that place or something else can have it. Now, you put that in our lives. You want the presence everywhere you go. You want him accessible. You want miracles. You want fruit. You want your finances to increase. You want your family to get better. And God says, but look how many rooms you have not given me. Yeah, you swept them up, you put them in order, but you haven't allowed me to come in because you don't know how to, com how to have a conversation with me because you think a conversation has to sound like New King James. When he simply says, come before me broken. Come before me with your needs. Come before me, have a conversation with me, and enter in where I am. I don't know how to be led by God. Conversations will lead you. You see... In the beginning, in beginning this new series, we've got to understand Elisha's new place of leadership. It had to begin where? In presence. But look at verses 16 through 18. Sir, they said, just say the word. Fifty of our strongest men will search the wilderness for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has left him on some mountain or in some valley. Nope, Elisha said. Don't send them. But they kept urging him until they shamed him into agreeing, and he finally said, all right, send them. So 50 men searched for three days, but isn't that funny, three days? <laughs> he ain't there. 50 men searched for three days, but did not find Elijah. Elisha was still at Jericho when they returned. Didn't I tell you not to go? He asked. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week. We talked about how the group of prophets, they were urging Elijah to go look for Elijah. 
And even though Elisha knew they weren't going to find him, Elisha was just like, fine, go ahead. The one thing we pointed out is that look at the honor. They asked permission. They honored the leadership of Elisha. But I want to dive into this a little more because notice two things. Number one, Elisha didn't move. He was still in Jericho when they returned home. And they asked, perhaps the Spirit of the Lord left him. It's a big teaching moment for Elisha, perhaps his first, because when you're submitted to God, God's presence does not leave you. Let me say that again. When you're submitted to God, God's presence does not leave you. So they went searching for a man who was in the presence, and they felt like God would have left him somewhere. It was not, it was not possible for Elijah because God's presence does not leave you. The only thing that can happen is you leave it. And because Elijah was not leaving God's presence, wherever God went, Elisha went, so Elisha knew you ain't going to find him. God ain't left him anywhere because God don't leave anyone. And when God takes you to a new place, don't go back looking for stuff you're missing from yesterday. The, the, the men went searching but couldn't find him. And remember, they had just like witnessed, this group of prophets witnessed from across the Jordan all this stuff take place, whirlwind taking Elijah, chariots of fire, the whole deal, and then they're like, let's go find him. They just saw Elisha hit the cloak, call out, to, or hit the river with the cloak, call out to God, and waters part. They saw a miracle, and instead of walking in the new day of new miracles in new people, they said, Where's the old guy? What about Elisha? And a lot of times what happens with us is when we go to a new place, instead of just embracing it, we start to go back to yesterday. Well, I miss this person and I miss that pastor or the churches. We need to get the revival that happened 50 years ago. God is so big, he wants to do something new. Why are we going backwards and searching for things? And people do this all the time. We think, I wonder why I turned out like this. I wonder why I have a temper. And then we start to look back on yesterday. We start to dwell on our childhood. Then all of a sudden we get depressed and we get anger toward parents when you're out of the covering. And I'm fully aware that sometimes you've got to deal with unforgiven things. But is it possible that we can get to a place where we don't need understanding in order to forgive? Maybe we should focus on what's ahead and walk through the redemption, and walk through the restoration, and if the Lord wants to take you through yesterday, let him, but not it be your searching. Sometimes we miss yesterday, and you don't see how today is going to be as great, if not greater, than other times in your life. You see, you can't appreciate today to keep focused on what you consider to be better. You can't appreciate today if you focus on why was it so bad. It's over. God says, you want refreshment from that? Get in my presence. Don't get in your thoughts. Don't get in the memories. I'm not there anymore. Is this helping anybody? They saw Elisha do the same thing 
and yet they went looking for Elijah. God's presence does not leave you when you're submitted to him. Of course the spirit didn't leave Elijah somewhere. Elijah was in the presence. We have to walk in a posture of presence that you never walk out of step with presence. Because really, walking in presence is actually your destiny. You talk about restoration, let's talk about restoration, okay? It's not just Jesus died for your sins. Why did he do it? He wanted to get you back into the place where the first Adam was. You know where they were? They were in Genesis. They were in, in Genesis. They were in the Garden of Eden, and they were just in what? The presence of God. They didn't have to go find it. They didn't have to go find another church. They didn't have to figure out a reason to lead their church, to get to another church because they're searching for presence. They were just in, in presence. That's what Jesus paid the debt for so that you could get back to the place that you lost. Access to presence. That's what you're designed for. That's what you were predestined for. Why is it that we are predestined to go spend eternity with God and then you choose to walk into that predestined step or not? Because your original design was always in presence. Let me, let me make sure I say that right now. Everyone, everyone is predestined to be with God. Whether they get there or not is on them. Presence. That's the restoration that God wants. And I think for this house, we've got to understand this. Is, are we willing to go to some uncomfortable places because we're just trying to be in the presence? Even tonight, we were leading one song for like 30 minutes. And some people were in it. Some people were wondering what's going on. Even I got a little comfortable. Can I be real? Devin's going to hear this and probably want to slap me in the face, but I'm going to be real. I was playing piano thinking like, all right, yes, you will. We get it. Right? But, but are we willing to do that for three hours to get in? Because in our minds, it's, well, this is boring. You know what the angels do day and night? They cry out the same thing over and over. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, 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 holy. When you're in the presence of God, you don't have the intellect to sing a four-lyric verse. Is it, oh, glory. I mean, holy. We got to rethink some things. I want to seek presence. I don't want to seek a good experience. I want to seek presence. Because if I'm in presence, then I will have a... <laughs> Yeah, we're getting this. Look at verse 19. One day the leaders of the town, Jericho, visited Elisha. We got a problem, my lord, they told him. This town's located in pleasant surroundings, as you can see, but the water's bad and the land is unproductive. You see, in these days of Elisha, Jericho had a very, very poor water supply. Which, of course, if you got a bad water supply, then you got agriculture problems, you got job issues, you know, you got people that want to work jobs, but there's no jobs, and then you got to put up signs that say, sorry, we have less employees, please be patient. <laughs> so the, no, the bad water supply is affecting their way of life. And what I love about this is the leaders of the town didn't try to get new leadership. 
they went to the man of God. Wouldn't it be amazing if we entered into the, a day where instead of trying to find the next best president, Congress and Senate and House of Representatives and everything else I don't know the titles of, if they just went to the church and said, hey, the United States has got a problem. What do we do? Okay, well, let's wipe out, um, you know, get woke and let's, let's wipe out that religion and this religion and now the only thing we're going to listen to is God. And this whole six-foot distancing thing, we're going to lay hands on the sick. That's the remnant with the power, but they're not seeing it yet, so they have no reason to come to the church. Because we say, well, how do we get that favor? The leaders of the town went to Elisha because they saw what Elisha was walking in. And they didn't understand. They saw power, but Elisha wasn't walking in power. He was walking in presence, and from presence flowed power. And all the town people want is, we want the power. And Elisha's like, well, <laughs> what we need is presence. It begins with presence. See, when people see the power of God working through you, when they hear testimonies of what's happening, something will happen. Authority is recognized. And I say we start getting obsessed with entering in and let everything flow from there. So look at what Elisha does in verses 20 through 22. Elisha said, bring me a new bowl with salt in it. So they brought it to him. Was there power in the salt? <laughs> Is there power in anointing oil? Is there power in baptism water that heals people? Where's the power? He went out to the spring and supplied the town with the water and he threw the salt in it. And he said, this is what the Lord says. I have purified this water. Not the salt. Who? I. I, the Lord, I purified the water. It will no longer cause death or infertility. And the water has remained pure ever since, just as Elisha said. The miracle didn't happen because Elisha was trying to show off or impress the people of Jericho by saying, look at this special salt that you can get for the low price of $3.99. <laughs> he was walking in agreement with an act they could see from a place that they could not. He was in such a posture of being in the presence of God that he acted on what the Lord was it says, saying to him. It wasn't an act of Elisha, it was an act of God, and God simply needed a vessel to speak on his behalf. You see, everything begins with presence, and it is how God operates on the earth as is in heaven. He operates through his body. He needs someone to come into agreement with what he wants to do. Because let me read you Psalm 136.4. Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. Him alone. No one does miracles but one guy. God. His faithful love endures forever. See, he's the only one who can do a miracle. He just wants the agreement of who he made to govern the earth. And since the earth and the world is out of alignment, he says, all right, governors, sons and daughters of God, I want to do some things through you 
that gets all the stuff that's out of alignment in alignment. The water should have never been a problem. So God just doesn't make the water better. He says, let me speak to my governor, Elisha. I want you to do this, and I want you to say that. And what he did and what he said was in agreement with where the power came from in the presence of God, and therefore the issue of water being out of a line, it got into what? Alignment. And the only reason Elisha knew to throw salt, not garlic, not curry powder, salt, the only reason he knew to say, this is what the Lord says, I have purified the water, was because he was resting in one place, presence. And when you walk in that posture of faithfulness and in the presence of God, when it's time to move to the next thing, he'll grace you with the ability to move on. Because remember, Elisha was staying at Jericho. He wasn't going to leave till God said it's time to leave. And the only reason he knew when to leave and when not to leave was because he was in presence. God blessed the water, purified it through Elisha, and because of Elisha's obedience, he was released to move from Jericho. And watch what happens when he left Jericho. Now, before you throw that up there, he just parted waters with a cloak, cleansed all the water supply with salt and a word of the Lord. This I'm talking on behalf of the people because we know God did it, but as far as the people concerned, this is what they saw. The water parted, the, the salt thing happened, all this crazy miracle working stuff. When he leaves this place, look what happens in verse 23. Elisha left Jericho and went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, a group of boys from the town began mocking and making fun of him. Go away, baldy. They chanted. Y'all know I'm anointed because I look like the man of God. <laughs> Go away, baldy. They chanted, Go away, baldy. I've heard that before. Elisha turned around and looked at them and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. <laughs> and from there, Elisha went to Mount Carmel and finally returned to Samaria. That's what I'm talking about. A flipping men. <laughs> Called him Baldy and he said, May God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> Probably a little bit more fierce than that. Well, let's really take a look at what's going on here. The, some passages say boys, some say young men. The actual Hebrew word actually means a group of young men. Usually um, in that term, it would have been somewhere in the 20s to 40s. So that's what they meant by young men. These were adults. These were adults, and they were mocking him. They weren't necessarily kids, and they were from a place called Bethel. Now, this was before the church got started. Bethel wasn't exactly a great place at this time in the days of Elisha. Bethel was actually opposing prophets because this is a place that was wrapped up in pagan worship and even the worship of a calf, right? They were all about pagan worship. Um, so when Elisha came out of Jericho, he met all these young men who were wrapped up in worshiping other gods 
And when they saw him, they just said, go away, Baldy. Go away, Baldy. We don't want you. In other translations, it doesn't actually say go away. It says go up. That's actually how it's translated in, in, the, in the original text. You know what they were doing? They were mocking his relationship with Elijah. They were mocking what the Lord did for Elijah, saying, oh, if God did it for him, let him do it for you, you fake bald nobody. And think about the baldness. They were, they were being comparative. Well, Elisha went up because he was called the hairy man. I guess you ain't going up because you ain't got no hair. And what they're doing is they're actually mocking the traditions or the religion, if you will, of believers. Because prophets would wear hairy garments and maybe most of them had hair. I don't know. Most preachers on TV have hair. I guess I'm just one of those Elishas. I got the double portion. They don't. But they were, they were mocking it a little bit. They were making fun of it. They were like, you know, go up. Why don't you do the thing your spiritual father did? But when you know where people are from, when you know what they're immersed in, you realize the source of their mocking. They don't want nothing to do with God. They had their own gods. They were, and they were missing the prophet. I could say a lot about this holiday right now on October 30th, 31st. The very ones that are in a blind state giving glory to other gods miss what's going on in the presence. And you can do that with holidays. You can do that with initiatives and agendas. You can do it with movie choices and, and music choices. You can do it with how you talk to your coworkers at work. We get so immersed in what we want that we miss what God is trying to say in the presence. Oh, you bald, you got no power. You Mr. Prophet, where's your ability to do what happened when Elijah was around? We see this in, in the faith today. People asking, where's your God at? Oh, you really believe in healing? When was the last time you saw it in church? Right? You hear it. And we end up second-guessing ourselves instead of realizing what Elisha realized. I'm in the presence and they're not, and I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to be moved by their mocking. I'm not going to be moved by their gestures. God called me to go to Bethel, and I don't care what they do to me or say to me. I'm going to Bethel. And it's interesting how we're all called to places, but we're timid to move into the place because when you go into a new place, a lot of times you meet mocking. Well, you can't. Can we talk about Savannah and Effingham? Let's talk about it. What's the mocking? Well, that can't be done here. Well, I'm, I'm in the presence. And if God said he's going to do it, I don't care what happened in the past. I don't care what you're going to say to me. He's going to do it. And I'm going to go there. I get mocking all the time. People talking about this church and our beliefs. No one, that, 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 no one likes that around here. Well, God wants it. And I don't care if I only got 80 people. We're going to establish it. And if the 80 establish it and the ones we raise up in this house ends up being thousands of people in their generation, thank God for the 80 that built the foundation. Right. 
I'm not going to let mocking move me. I'm not going to let what people say about me move me. You're, oh, you're, you're going to be a, a, a pastor at Relentless? Where's your ordination? I don't need ordination papers to be a pastor. Do you even know what a pastor is? Because it ain't the leader of a church. What do you mean you can prophesy? Prove it. I ain't got to prove nothing to you. We meet all this adversity, and a lot of times we just come into agreement with the adversity, and we stop. We stop seeking. We stop going forward. If God tells you to go to a place, I don't care what anyone says about you or what your own thoughts say about you or to you, because remember, that's, how, that's where the enemy gets ground. He, he wants to get in your mind. You move forward. And that's exactly what Elisha did. He didn't go, he didn't run. He didn't go backwards. He didn't even choose how to deal with them. You notice that? He, he didn't, Elisha didn't say, may two bears come out of the wilderness and maul these people. He didn't do that. You know what the scripture said? The, the scripture just said, Elisha turned around, looked at them, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Can I tell you what cursing them in the name of the Lord is? May God have his way with you. And when he said, may God have his way with you mockers, two bears just happened to be there. <laughs> Don't y'all love God? So you try to take vengeance in your hands, imagine what God could do on your behalf if you just said, may God have his way. You talk about power from presence. But, 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 but look, it says the two bears came out, and it says the bears mauled 42 of them. Now, if you go into the original text and language, it doesn't point to the fact that they were murdered. They were just messed up. But notice the number of men. It mauled 42 of them. So that means when, yeah, when Elisha was going to a new place, it wasn't just a few people coming against him. He was coming against a large crowd. These were probably not mockers just alone. They probably wanted to have their way with Elisha. They were surrounding him, mocking him. Well, what you going to do? You ain't coming to our place. Remember, they're protecting what they love. They're worshiping calves and idols and gods. They don't want some, you know, Jesus freak coming in there that even before Jesus was there. They didn't want some God lover coming to mess up their stuff. So they got this group of people mocking him, coming at him. And the only way Elisha was able to get out of that was not putting it in his hands. It's putting it in God's hands. and Because he, he, he remembered, I, I'm in the presence. And if I'm in the presence, my God will not forsake me. He will not fail me. And when he walked forward knowing that, God took care of the thing that we look at as a threat to our safety. Let me tell you something. God will never lead you to a place where the enemy will have victory. He will never lead you to a place where the enemy will have Now, the enemy, the enemy may get victories, but that's not based off where God's leading you. That's based off of how you steward the journey. And 
Now, Elisha knew if I'm called to go to Bethel, I can let this mob stop me. I can let that river stop me. I can let this unsanitized water stop me. Or because I'm in the presence, the waters will move, the water will be purified, and this mob of mockers, God will take care of them so I can go straight to Bethel. This was actually Elisha's first miracle, the parting of the waters, the purification of the water systems. And I would call it a miracle, escaping hurt and pain, walking into his destiny. But it all began with being in the presence of God. Everything begins and ends with the presence. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just talk a good talk about, I want to be a church that is in the presence of God. I don't want, I don't want to talk a good talk about, like, hey, we're just a church, and, and, and I want to see God do great things. I actually want to see that. I, I don't want that to be a marketing campaign to get people in the seats. And people keep asking me, well, how are we going to get there? It starts with presence. It starts with presence.